0: Well, as we start this morning, I would just like to say thank you to Miss um, Sidney Rose Davis uh, for having me up here this morning. Um, if all things went according to plan, which they often do not do, I would have been up here July 10th instead. Uh, but Pastor Michael was keeping in touch with me and some of our leaders, and uh, he texted me yesterday morning again and said, You're up for tomorrow. And I said, Okay, all right. Because I had some thoughts and some things fleshed out for just a message to share. So I had to put the finishing touches on that a little bit. Um, so thank you, Miss Sydney, if you're listening or watching. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. No, uh, but my name's Andy. Anybody watching? I'm just I'm proud to serve as one of the deacons here at First Baptist Church of Elba. Um, and for our message today, it originally, when we first talked about the calendar, before speaking and, and with the baby coming, um, I had a slightly different message in mind that had been kind of spinning around in my heart for a while, um, mainly dealing with um, peace, a topic of peace, and not peace and quiet, because I don't think those go together all the time. Um, sometimes we say, I just want some peace and quiet around here, um, but sometimes you can have peace without quiet, kind of like the eye of the hurricane. But then kind of the message, the thoughts, um, what God was sort of speaking to me um, with some things that I'll share, it kind of morphed into what it will be um, today. So, Steve, we could put that up there. Um, I'm just calling it bumper sticker theology, catchphrase, Christianity, and half-truths. Um, or, a.k.a., God doesn't give us more than we can handle with a really in, in, quotation, in uh, parentheses, excuse me. Um, so the main text will be um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and then um, 2 Corinthians, as you see there, 12, 7 through 10. So we've all seen bumper stickers in our life. Um, some of them are getting quite offensive and profane, but we've seen a variety of bumper stickers in our lives. You don't see them too often anymore. I think people are, don't want to put sticky things on their nice, shiny new cars anymore. Maybe they're magnetic. Um, but you can see up here, it's a little small um, on the back of that car, but we also have some up here, which I've seen lately, and I pulled some of these images offline. Um, I don't know how patriotic Jesus is, but I really like the red, the red, white, and blue USA, okay? Uh, Jesus um, saves. I had never seen that one. Uh, honk if you love Jesus. We've all seen that one lots of times. Um, follow me. I know the one who knows the way, and there, there's a variety of other funny ones, and you often in the past you would see Jesus or sometimes God is my co-pilot. Dangerous theology there. And that one says, if God's your co-pilot, switch seats. Okay, um, God is, should not be our, our co-pilot or Jesus. Should be, they should be the pilot. Uh, and at the bottom left, there's one I saw that just said, don't be a bumper sticker, Christian. Okay, Most of the time, people have that read that probably have no idea what you're talking about. We're talking in Christianese language. People may read and go, well, okay, okay. Um, Or I saw one with some geometric picture trying to make Jesus' face, and I thought, that is so confusing. I mean, I knew what it was. So that that kind of bumper sticker theology or the catchphrase Christianity can be dangerous for us. And sometimes our own speech, our own responses to people, even our advice to friends can sometimes become like bumper stickers, and I'm I'm guilty of that. So this is not a message to um, condemn anyone. Uh, if some of the things I'll mention have happened to you or have come out from your mouth to someone else. But these are things that God's put on my heart lately. And again, it kind of morphed into what I'll share with you today. So scenario number one, let me, let me share. You can shake your head up and down if this sounds familiar to you. Okay? So here's the scenario. Um, when my father passed away in 2008, um, I remember a lot of friends and family members right here right here in this in this room, um, coming in to show comfort, kindness to our family. Many of you also have had loved ones and had memorial services here. Um, but one memory really stood out without naming names. I had a, a relative of mine come up to me, again, with all good intentions, very heartfelt, come up to me and said, Andy, always remember that God never gives us more than we can handle. Everybody, has anyone ever said that? I, I said that. Or had it said to you, God never gives us more than we can handle, and it always stuck with me like a little like really really is that is that true? is that biblically accurate? and I would say today it is it is it is not uh, now to be fair, I know that my relative again was trying to genuinely help ease pain, was trying to genuinely help my family and, and help help us um, cope with that loss i don 't find any fault in their motive um, but It's not something that the Bible teaches us, which is this first point here. Now, I have to admit, because of baby Sydney causing all this trouble this weekend, um, all the bulletins and materials, you don't have anything I know to write on today because they were all for Pastor Michael's message, which you'll probably now hear on July 10th. It's a little flip-flop. So if you have a pen or you have something you can write on in your Bible, that's fine. Um, So our first point here is um, the confusion. And this verse is the one that a lot of people, I feel, draw that God will never give us more than we can handle phrase from. But what it says is, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Okay, that that part right there, especially beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Somewhere along the way, that passage just morphs into, well, then God won't give you more than you can handle. But what we're missing, the confusion part, it gets referenced, it's off target if we, if we look a little closer. So in this letter um, to the Corinthians, what Paul's saying, this was written during his second missionary journey, about 49 to 52 AD. Um, Paul was there, he stayed for about a year and a half, and that, that church was born. Um, Three years later, he's on another missionary journey and he gets word that the Corinthian church isn't doing so great. A lot of um, quarreling is the word you'll see a lot translated. So he decides, you know, we're going to we're going to get this letter to them. Um, But in verse 13, that's the troublesome point when he says tempted beyond your ability. That's the point um, some of us we get hung up on that word um, tempted temptation. I've highlighted those. And read, so you can see where they uh, appear in the verse. Um, but a little word study on the next screen. Okay. Um, I am not a, a word scholar. Um, I went to school for ministry, not for uh, to be a pastor per se, more contemporary ministry. Um, I took a very small language course. But this word that we see for um, translated in temptation is pyrasmos in Greek. This is the noun form of this word. There's also the verb form, and they can be translated, as you can see up here, um, most often translated as temptation, as in to sin, temptation to sin. It can also be translated as trial, test, or suffering. So you can sort of see where the confusion starts to come in, where someone may look at that verse and may see a translation or something and say, oh, well, you're clearly, God's going to give you an escape, or there's a way. You won't be tempted uh, or you won't suffer beyond your ability, or the test won't be too much for you, or the trial won't be too much for you. You know, I'm sorry that this happened to you, um, but you can, you'll can you be able to get through it. So what is, what's the problem? That's what I'm alluding to there with that question. So what's the problem? Well, a very, very important piece of literary framework, like as a teacher, um, any teacher in here will tell you or teachers you've had, a very important part that Paul understood very well as an author is the next point. So our second point also a C, is context. We just sang about that word. Um, I don't have a context for that kind of love. We just sang that in that last praise song. I, I know words, but where do they fit in context is where we derive their meaning. Words are extremely powerful. We say words every day that can rip someone to shreds if we had to. We, I've got that in my arsenal. I could fire those off real easy. Uh, We have words that can build up. We have words that can encourage. I work with students from um, four or five years old all the way up to like age 12. My daughters are teenagers. Um, I deal with all sorts of attitudes and issues, and I have to remember, who am I dealing with? Where are they in life? The context that we're, we're dealing with. So when you have an author like Paul writing with a word that can have multiple meanings... The meaning of the word is chosen by an author. It's determined by the context that you use the word in. So therefore, is that true? So Paul's actually saying God will not give me more than I can handle, right, if I translate it that way. So it's true after all. So my my relative was correct to, to say that phrase. Well, not exactly because, as you can see there, there's a therefore in verse 12. Um, if you've been here at First Baptist a long time, uh, Pastor Bloom was always famous for ask, saying this. When you see a therefore, you ask yourself, what is it therefore? In other words, back up, right? Teachers, what do you, What I mean, literary lessons, what do you ta- back up? You read before and you read after. You get the context. You've got to take this word. You've got to expand your, your circle of meaning um, because there's a therefore in verse 12. So, Let's play, let's play a little word game first. Uh, we're going to put up 12 words on the screen. And I want you just to read them to yourself kind of quickly. Just go. You can go left to right or up and down the columns. And I want you to think about um, how you say that word to yourself. Okay. Give you a second to look at those. I was going to do one at a time, but that would, we'd probably be here till 2 o'clock. Now, thankfully, this is being recorded so people watching um, later can see it. But people watching, if you're watching the live stream right now, it's more difficult, I know, to see through this camera. Um, let's start with um, oh, let's start with a, with a great one the top left word. On the count of three, I want you to say that word to me one, two, three. Tear tear. You're both right. Tear or tear. One can mean to rip a piece of paper in half. The other can be an emotional response. It can mean other things. Okay, I know which one you want me to talk about. Um, what about the bottom right? M I N U T E. Ready, go. Minute or minute? They're just black words up on a white screen. There's no context here. What about what about um, second word down in the middle? The technical way to say someone who sows is sower but they didn't like that back in the, in the early 1800s. They said, it sounds like, the, sounds like the system that carries wastewater, a sewer, so I'd like to be a seamstress, a tailor, but it is a sewer, one who sews. Okay? Okay, like a lawyer is, is someone who works with the law. Um, what about, oh, here's a great one. The second one down on the left under tear tear. What is it? Can also mean I can twist the dial on my, on my clock or my watch, wind or wind. We've got close or close, right? Bow or bow. Lots of meanings for those. Bass, talk about a fish, right, Eli? Or bass, I could be talking about Debbie's guitar. What's the context? Where am I? Um, Present or present. Wound, past tense of wind or wound. You've got project or project. We have a projector right there. Okay? Desert or a verb to desert. That's a tricky one because then you have the dessert, the noun, which is spelled differently. Right? Then you have live or live. We're live streaming right now. Okay? And minute and minute. There's no context there. So you see where, you see where it gets a little tricky where we're pulling a word in. Oh, it must mean this because it's one of its definitions. Lots of definitions, lots of context. Okay? I like to play word games like that. So does context matter? Big time. Okay? And we could make up a bunch of sentences like we were doing, kind of playing with those words. So the use of the word pyrasmus in verse 13 is referring solely to temptation, not the trials or the sufferings part. And how do we know? Because the context of those verses before, okay, the therefore part matters. Um, if you back up in that section, verses 1 through 4 is kind of a, um, there's, there's a history lesson going on here, the Israelites. The entire community of faith had received the blessings of God. Paul's reminding them. Remember this stuff? Um, Verse 5 talks about God was not pleased. And I guess that would be the understatement of the day, or of the year, God was not pleased. So I looked up a little thing, a study note in my Bible. How many Israelites, how many had come out of Egypt, do you think, had been delivered out of Egypt? They estimate about 2 million. Okay? Mm -hmm. How many of those? Of those, and eventually the men of war, how many of those entered the promised land? Two. Joshua and Caleb. Two million to two. Okay? So he's reminding them of this. Verses 6 through 11, we see that Paul is laying out exactly why God wasn't pleased. So now you're getting here are the reasons why Um, idolatry, immorality, infidelity, um, disloyalty. Um, So through these verses, you see that the people were now disqualified, or they and they were disciplined. Um, and what did Winston Churchill always say? Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And there's many other people who have put a spin on that quote. Um, but in verse 12, in verse 12, we get the big therefore. And let me just make sure that I've got. It says therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed. Lest he fall. Okay. So, is temptation something new to all of us? No, it's common to everyone. Temptation was something Jesus dealt with as well. To every man, it says, temptation is common to every man. And does God tempt us to sin? What does the Bible teach us on that? No, James, James chapter one is very clear. Um, it says that is Satan's doing. God tests us, but he does not tempt us to sin. But God will not let us allow us, will not let us be tempted beyond our ability. That's the human framework which we work in. Those are our human boundaries, the limitations, because he's given us an escape. So we have that truth. I have an escape through temptation. But, again, remember in the context of this verse we looked at and the words that we're talking about, how important that is, um, we choose to sin. We can also choose to escape that temptation to sin. So we're going to hop over um, just one book. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians for our third point. It's also a letter C and a little bit more focused help. And then I'm going to have just a a connection here, a personal connection for you. So point number three is the conclusion. So in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, again, this is um, ESV, says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf, For the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So what's Paul saying here? Paraphrase, uh, my paraphrase. Uh, Yeah, God definitely gave me and my friends, my companions, way more than we could handle. It's, it's, It's plain as day. So yes, it is true. He allows those tests and trials to happen. I mean, look at the words that he chooses to use. Remember, words are chosen. Authors choose words on purpose, very deliberate. Look at the desperation. He's saying beyond our strength. um, We didn't really want to live anymore. We were despairing of life, despaired of life. The sentence of death. That is powerful. I think we say things sometimes, oh, I'm exhausted. I can't go on. And really, maybe we could. But this is some very, very strong, very strong language. He's admitting in his writing that he could not endure any longer. So when was the last time? When was the last time you felt like verse eight? When was the last time you felt, or I felt like the beginning of verse nine? That level. Um, and again, have you, have you experienced, or are you experiencing right now those overwhelming troubles of life? I'm sure we are. We could, again, we looked at words on a screen. I'm sure we could share those things. Um, and everybody's experience, everybody's situation is different, but we have that commonality in trials and in testing. Um, I know I have, and I still do from time to time. Um, 2019, Pastor Michael and Christy are here. We're unloading U-Hauls across the street. I'm, I'm carrying a nightstand of theirs, getting ready to carry it into the, into the bedroom, um, up into the parsonage, into the bedroom, and my phone's ringing in my pocket. And it's Kristen, it's my wife, calling me, saying um, terrible news that I never want to hear again. Of, of a diagnosis of breast cancer, and she needs me home. That was awful. God, 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 did God allow that to happen? Yes, he did. Was that more than I could handle? For a long, Yeah, for a long time. Nobody's, um, I, I grew up, every Halloween I had to be um, Superman. I love Superman, I like comics. And um, Superman birthday cake, Superman, all this stuff. I used to curl my, do a little Christopher Reeve thing. Um, That's what you do with a cowlick when you can't do anything else. But I thought, I can't can't be that. I can't be Superman. I can't fly around the world in the one movie. He flies so fast he reverses the spin of the earth and time goes backwards. And, you know, Einstein would have a problem with that. But um, I couldn't do that for Kristen. I had to look at our our daughters and say, I I can't fix. I can't save. I can't rebuild. I can't remove. I, I can't operate. I can't do anything. But I could. I, I can pray, and then I think, is that, is that enough? I can't physically, I'm a fixer. I want to you know, fix things. I like um, anything at school. Something's broken. People will bring it to me. I'm like, oh, let me look at it. You know, pencil sharpener, take it apart and see if I can fix it. I couldn't do anything for Kristen physically, and it drove me nuts. Um, if it was me, I'd be like, all right, I can handle that. But I I, I, had to, I had to, and I shared this before, watch from a step away. It was very difficult. Um, same thing other stories in my family um just my my immediate family things going through um and personal things for myself and aubrey's 12th birthday her in the hospital we don't know why for a week can't fix it feeling helpless um my my child can't breathe her her oxygen blood ox level is so low why is this happening um is that is that a result of the translation of that word um temptation? Did I do something wrong that that's in effect? No, but is it a trial? God's allowing to happen in the physical body of my daughter, my wife, or a family member? Yes, that's happening because of our nature. We're in a sinful world. It's nothing, well, Andy, you, you know, you were harsh with a student, so wham, the hammer is going to fall on you in this way. No, it doesn't, it's not what it's saying, but some people, if you take that statement, my, my relative said to me, God never gives, never gives you more than you can handle. We're, so wait a minute. If I am suffering today beyond what I can handle, like I can't do this, it's, it's my fault? Is that what we're saying? Whose fault is it? If it's true that God hasn't given you more than you can handle and you're not handling it very well, then it's on, it's on you. It's on me. That doesn't make sense. So it can't be biblically accurate. But do you see how damaging that can be to somebody? Again, that bumper sticker, and we don't, again, we don't do it on purpose, but be very careful. We need to be very intentional and based in truth from Scripture, what we say. um, A very well-meaning misunderstanding can turn into that, again, like something cruel, almost a cruel catchphrase. Well, then we come to another part, another chapter. We skip ahead to chapter 12 in 2 Corinthians. You can turn there, and the second part of the conclusion is verses 7 through 10. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then, I am strong. Maybe we can identify with these verses a little bit more. Um, another, big, another big issue of research in that is that thorn in the flesh. Does it really matter what it was? No. I know people have written books on this and tried to determine what it was. Does it really matter to me? No. It matters that it was there, and it matters that it it greatly pained Paul enough um, to mention it, but that he says it wasn't his focus. He says that God's provision and his grace is there for him in that trial. That was a persistent trial just carried on through and for any trial we're experiencing, it will be the same. But here, here's the key part. Um, for a few weeks, we had a theme up on the presentation screen in the beginning when we start service. And it was a picture of like um, uh, clay jars with plants grown out of them. Remember that picture? And one of them's like broken. It's a jars of clay theme from Scripture. Um, but the theme itself in our, in our computer program is called Cultivate with the plants and, and, and the theme. So it just made me think that that's what Paul did. He had to cultivate a new attitude. Could have stayed back here. Oh, the thorn in my flesh and just gone on and on. Um, But he cultivated that attitude. He recognized the weak parts. What was weak in him served to um, magnify what was strong in God. Um, I had a a camera at school this past week. Came with a really cool lens on it. You could screw the lens on this little iPad frame. And I was taking it out. Some of my students had come in. I was putting it away. And they said, oh, what's that? And I, you know, held it up to my eye. I was going like this. And my eye was like in huge. They're like, oh, that's so creepy, Mr. Hamm. But that's what, that's what we do. Um, we want to take what's weak in us, but turn the lens, turn the lens to God and be like, look at how strong God is. And he said, um, What's weak, in, what's weak in me has a purpose. It's to magnify, it, it takes the attention off and magnifies what's strong in God. So he had to humble himself. Um, he had to humble himself and he describes that in the writing uh, and become a, um, a conduit, a channel of God's power. So let's kind of rewind this. Let's go back to the, to the beginning. Um, what do I say to someone who's suffering and experiencing great trials? I have a hard time with that. I've been to a lot of um funeral homes. I've had a lot of coworkers um, lose loved ones. I've had family members obviously. Uh, but I have a, a very good friend, and I won't mention who, but um, a very good, good friend who's going through an incredibly difficult time right now um, in his marriage. Something I did not know about for fifteen years this has been going on. I had no idea. And we're very good at, at masking things. And, um, so I was speaking with this friend a few weeks ago and I always sit and listen. I tell people I'm, I'm a really good listener. Maybe I don't always have something to say at that moment, but that's okay. And, um, he also revealed to me that his brother, a very successful business person was just diagnosed with a very aggressive, rare kind of cancer. And he's basically riddled with it all through his neck and his throat um, and then he proceeded to tell me something else about his, one of his children, and it, the, the list just kept going, and I thought I was just sitting there, um, just put my hand on my friend's shoulder, I was just standing there crying with him because I had nothing to say. Um, and then he had his child actually tell him, because of all the turmoil um, in the family, the, one of his children said, I just don't want to have to fake it anymore in front of other people. I mean, how crushing is that to come from? And this is a teenager. Um, I just don't want to have to fake it anymore in front of other people. And these are, these are Christian folks. Um, and I felt terrible because I had no idea. I mean, this is someone I've known a, a long time. And thankfully, my friend is a believer, as I said. And um, he knows that just like Paul, what he's experiencing or what we're experiencing right now is more than he can handle. It's way more, um, and he, he admitted that freely, but it's not, nor will it ever be, more than what God can handle right now. that That's what I want us to grasp today. We can look at something well-meaning. Someone said to me once, um, because of a really poor understanding of scripture through the years that's become a catchphrase, you know, God won't give you more than we can handle. It's not true. God does allow more than we can handle, so we can turn in our weakness to him and again magnify his power um before we end we're going to end in a few minutes i want to share something also from this past week Uh, i know i share a lot from school but it's a funny place um this past tuesday we had engineers day in our fifth grade so a lot of engineering challenges and i help out with that so i was able to to kind of run a center for the day and it was it was awesome um but we were able to speak with an engineer from Massachusetts who's a son of a coworker of mine. So my students got to see a real person doing really cool stuff. Uh, he, they make specialty paper for like blood testing, paper that goes in car engines. I didn't even know that's a thing. Uh, so not just you know lined paper, but really, really exciting products. And he told a little joke and he said, an optimist says the glass is half full. A pessimist says the glass is half empty. An engineer simply says, that glass is twice the size it needs to be. And then I found found online a physicist would say, technically, the glass is full, 50% water, 50% air. I'll tell you, kindergartners get that. I did that. I did a test with water um, in the last week or two with students, and they were making boats. And air could be trapped under the boat in these these little circles, these little bubbles. And I thought, no way, these kids will figure that out. I said, so what's under the boat? What's in these holes? And they're like, air, duh. <laughs> That's what holds the boat up, Mr. Ham. So I thought, okay, they're very good physicists. But I kind of like that physicist answer. Um, instead of half full, half empty, it's, it's, it has everything we need. It's there. Um, maybe the water is what we're focusing on, but God's spirit's there. There, It's there. Um, So would it be easy in life just to go get a new glass in our circumstance and just kind of get a smaller glass or something? Or change our circumstance or run away, um, ignore, um, get really angry and fight? Um, It it would be nice if every trial and suffering that came our way would be easy. But then what would happen? We wouldn't have a need. We wouldn't have a need for God at all. We'd be like, I got this. Where would we be? Uh, The lead news story on a website this morning was um we 're at the lowest point in our nation 's history for people who profess to believe in God as of the, like this week um, it 's down to eighty one percent it was at ninety eight percent for decades um, and it 's going down especially among certain demographics um, and I thought and I just read that this morning I thought i would I would mention that um, for whatever reason is it bumper stickers the cause is it catchphrase stuff that we 're saying? I, that might be a minute part of it. But we need, we need God more now than ever. And he's here right now with us. We have to have that perspective. Turn that lens. Take it off of us. Turn it. Magnify him. Um, so as we close, I'd just like to share a music video. It's a song that I currently, I, I just can't stop listening to it. Um, and it's called Fill My Cup uh, by Andrew Ripp. It's been on the radio. He did not write it. His friend wrote it and he changed it a little bit. And if you look for this song online, look up the gospel version, which was just put on YouTube. It's phenomenal if you like, if you like more, more of that bass music. But um, we're going we're gonna to watch this video together. Just kind of let God speak to your heart for what you need today. Um, as we were just talking about the, the glass, half full, half empty, or whatever our perspective. Um, let's turn that lens. Let's magnify God's power and then... Um, We'll come up and we'll just close in prayer when this is done.
1: i walk walking to a city I cannot see Through the depths of the valley where the sun can reach I've been high. I've been low. I've been looking for the river that could fill my soul. Been walking to a city I cannot fill
2: my cup, Lord.
0: So if the glass is half full, half empty, does it matter? Let's fill it it up. Pray to the Lord, fill it up. But the part that I love is he says, um, I am your child in need. You have to to admit that. Um, I'm in this trial. I'm in this test, this time of suffering, um, and fill it up. And there's a whole list. It's a great song to look at, just the lyric sheet of, too. It's just a great, like, a prayer song. Uh, and again, if you like more gospel-themed stuff, check out the gospel version of that song. Um, so that's that's my prayer. That's my, been my prayer um, for my friend um, during the last few weeks, talking with him and just trying to be encouraging. And that's where originally I planned just to speak on on peace, uh, and that word was projected in that song, or really big because that song that word came out of this song. It's really been speaking to me. Um, but just a way for us to be mindful uh, when, we're, when we're trying to help others focus on that part instead of God won't give you more than you can handle. Maybe say God will give you all the grace you need no matter what you're facing um, and just let people know you'll be there for them too because um, we, we need that. We need to hear that and um, that is a good encouraging word for today. So let's close uh, in a word of prayer together this morning. Lord I thank you thank you for each one who's here thank you for uh, this time that we could spend in your word again uh, just focusing a little bit on the writings of Paul uh, to a church a church that was struggling uh, Lord and that a portion of that letter uh, focused on temptation to sin God we know that you don't you don't tempt us God but temptation is there Temptation is there. We make that choice. Uh, temptation is not a sin, but, Lord, the decision to follow it, that's the sin. But, Lord, as we look at God, the, real, the meaning of that those verses, um, Lord, let us not apply them wrongly uh, to others, to our own situation. That it's not, God, we can handle it all. I got this. I can, I can take it. Lord, whatever comes, I'll just put it on my back and carry it. Because we can't. And we know um, as it's translated into trials and tests and suffering, we've been there. But that we can end um, this time on a positive note, knowing that in admitting that weakness, that is, that is the way um, that your strength comes through. And as the Bible says, it is sufficient. It is sufficient for us. It's not 99.99%. It's sufficient, wholly sufficient and able uh, to do, God, that work, God, that your grace can carry us and sustain us through it, not, can't avoid it, but Lord, we're maybe in the middle of, maybe we're entering one, maybe on uh, the way through a test or a trial, and it it, it stinks and it hurts, and it um, maybe someone very close by, is, as I was talking about, and you feel like, I can't do anything. Well, we can pray, we can talk to you, we can try to take some physical steps to help. Uh, we can listen more and maybe talk a little bit less uh, and make sure that our words are accurate, that they're from your word, um, that they're truthful, uh, grounded in scripture. And, and it's hard. Lord, I struggle with that, what to say. And sometimes I don't say anything or I don't say what I should or don't say enough and feel that way. But God, I thank you that there's, there's no condemnation there, that you love us. Lord, you've made us vessels of your grace, but also to bring, again, that word peace. Lord, we admit we're weak. You give us what we need. You give us the words to say. You give us the encouragement. And we can, again, turn that lens off of whatever that situation is in in our own life, and we can magnify your power and your goodness so others can see it. That's the help. Lord, thank you for um, each one here, everyone who's listening. Thank you for this opportunity that that I could share what you've put on my heart. Uh, We do just lift up uh, baby Sydney Rose and um, the entire Davis family. Um, Thank you that everything went so well yesterday for her delivery and that uh, just this precious little child has entered your world. Uh, Lord, that you you cared for her and you care for her right now. And again, let us as a body of faith, a body of believers, um, come alongside them and be that example. Uh, as little Sydney grows uh, grows in you. Thank you, Lord, bless your people. Today as we go, uh, whatever the day holds, we know that you go with us and you're not just contained in these walls. And we thank you and we love you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.